Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. I want you to lift your hands and invite the presence of the Lord into your life right now. Everybody in the building, would you do that? Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you, God, and we worship you, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We magnify you. Would you do that for a moment? We've come to praise you. We've come to glorify you, Lord, for who you are. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. The book of Acts chapter 2. The book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. Let's read a few verses here today. Acts 2 and verse 37. Thank you for being at prayer meeting tonight. God has called all of us to pray. He's called us to seek the face of God. We need an altar in our life. Can you say amen? Acts chapter 2 verse 37 says, Now when they heard this, what was this? It was Simon Peter preaching the gospel on the day of Pentecost. They were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter, to the rest of the apostles, they said, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Would you read it in concert here tonight? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Do you believe that's apostolic doctrine? We believe that's exactly what they preached, amen, on the day of Pentecost. And I still, it should be still what we preach in 2020. Can you say amen? We go on and we believe for the promise is unto you and to your and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Everybody shout, save yourselves. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. The same day there were added unto them about, shout, 3,000. 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And, and all that believed were and had all things and sold their possessions and good and parted of them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord, shouted in the temple and breaking bread from house to house that eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. I'd like to preach to you a little while on just simply apostolic doctrine. Somebody shout apostolic doctrine. Would you clap your hands and praise him for the apostolic doctrine? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the apostolic truth. We thank you, Lord, for the apostolic truth. 
Amen. If God's ever been good to you, I keep saying that, but I think you ought to praise him with all of your heart, your soul, and your mind right now if he's ever done anything good for you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated. Apostolic doctrine. If you look in the book of Jude, if you want to understand the foundation of apostolic truth or apostolic doctrine, you would see the book of Jude which is only one chapter, but verse three. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. They didn't have 17 different ways to be saved. They had a common salvation. What was, what was for the rich was for the poor. What was for one country was for the other country. They didn't have 17 different ways or doctrines on how to be baptized. There was just one Lord one faith, and one baptism. Can you say amen? What Simon Peter preached, also the apostle Paul preached. Where they preached, John Mark would preach the same. No matter where you went, the gospel was preached the same. It was the apostles' doctrine. When you look at it, you'll find that Jude writes, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. All apostolic doctrine is on the basis of that one verse. We are to contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. Meaning that what was preached on the day of Pentecost in the first church should still be preached today. It shouldn't be changed because of culture. It shouldn't be changed because of political agendas. Apostolic doctrine should remain the same. We need to baptize how the apostles baptized. We need to experience what the apostles experienced. We need to believe the way they believed. We should dress the way they dress and we should conduct our behaviors and our nature the way they conducted their behavior and their nature. It was the apostles doctrine. It wasn't until 325 AD with the Council of Nicaea that they came up with some new doctrines saying that there was three persons in the Trinity, three persons in the Godhead. It was never before. You could see in the Britannica Encyclopedia that they always and ever baptized only one way and that was in the name of Jesus. We do not need to find, we do not need to follow just Christian culture We've got to get back in the book and say we need to do things the way the apostles did them and it's called the apostles' doctrine. Can you say amen? Don't believe all this. It doesn't matter how you believe just as long as you believe. That's not in the book because he said in John chapter seven and verse 38, he said, uh, uh, he that believeth on me as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. We can't believe man's word because the Bible says let God be true and every man a liar. We gotta get back to his word and if the Bible says this is the way we should believe, then that is how we are to believe. Could I ask you a question here today? When you get to heaven, how many are you gonna see? Are you gonna see one 
You're going to see two? Or you're going to see three thrones? I come to tell you, Isaiah said in chapter 6, he said there was one that was up on the throne, and he was high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. We still believe, no matter what culture says, when you get to heaven, Revelation tells us there's going to be one throne, one face, and one name. How many know that the name of Jesus is the name above every name? Amen. He's got a name that's above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Amen. That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Would you clap your hands and thank God for the apostolic doctrine? Amen. Amen. The apostolic doctrine is believing the authentic, literal, literal concepts of the word of God. So when we say we're apostolic, we believe that the name of the Father is Jesus. For John 5, 43, Jesus said, I have come in my Father's name. We believe the name of the Son is Jesus. Matthew 1, 21, amen. He said, you shall conceive and bring for the Son, and thou shalt call his name. Amen. What's the name of the Holy Ghost? Is Jesus. Why? John 14, 23. The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. That's why in Matthew 28, 19, when he said, go ye therefore, and Jesus said, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. You will not see that phrase ever repeated in Acts 2, in Acts 8, in Acts 10, in Acts 19. You'll never see the phrase, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because Matthew knew what the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost was. Amen. Simon Peter understood what he meant when he said in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost because they all understood. Even Philip, when Jesus was talking about the Father, Philip said in John, I'm going too fast here, aren't I? John said, amen. In the book of John, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and it sufficeth us. And in John 14, Jesus said, have I been so long time with you, Philip, and thou hast not known me. He that has seen me hath seen the Father. He's looking at you. You're looking at him. Amen. That's why Isaiah 9 and 6, can I preach a little while about apostolic doctrine? That's why Isaiah 9 and 6 says, unto us a child is born and a son is given and the government should be up on his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, are you ready? Speaking of that virgin baby, that virgin born baby, Jesus, his name should be called Wonderful Counselor. Are you ready for this? The Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. I come to tell you the apostolic doctrine is understanding who the one God is. For God was manifest in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit. He was seen of angels, priests to Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in the glory. And I'm so glad to tell you, he's Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's not hanging out in heaven somewhere. No, he's everywhere. He's the omnipresent, omniscient, all-knowing God. Abraham we 
identified him as Jehovah Jireh. To others, he was Jehovah Nisi. He was Jehovah Sikkenu. He was Jehovah Rapha. They had titles for specific things that Jehovah had done. But Isaiah 12, would you turn there with me? In Isaiah 12, let's not forget who we are today. Would you turn with me to the book of Isaiah chapter 12? Somebody shout Jesus. Apostolic doctrine is always talking about Jesus. In Isaiah 12 and verse two, I'm gonna let you turn there for a minute because we must understand who we are and what we believe. Apostolic doctrine. The Bible says they continued in the apostles' doctrine. What did they believe? What did they experience? What was their expectations of the body? So we look in Isaiah 12 and to behold, God is my, I will trust and not be, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. When you would go overseas, I remember N.A. Urson talking about this. So when you go overseas in the Jewish synagogues, one of the most famous statements in the Jewish synagogues was Jehovah has become my salvation. And he told one of the rabbis, he said, would you tell me, read that in English to me? He said, no, I can't do it. He said, I would like you to read that to me. Say that in the English language. He said, no, he said, just go ahead and tell you. Tell me what it says, rabbi. And he said it like this, in his interpretation to the English language. Are you ready for this? Jehovah has become my Jesus. Amen. That's what Jesus means, is Jehovah has become my savior. And I want you to know that the Father up in heaven didn't have to send somebody else down to do it, but the Father up in heaven enrobed himself in flesh. That's why the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary as she conceived and brought with a son and called his name Jesus. I'm telling you that Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. He chose to come down and die as a man, amen, to take your place. He didn't send somebody else down. He came to do it himself. Oh, pastor, if that's the case, then why, why in John 17, why in John 17 did Jesus say, you know, the, the glory that we shared, speaking my father and I shared before the foundation of the world, how, how can you differentiate when Jesus talked about the glory that we shared? Don't forget, we don't live by bread alone, but by every word which proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Somebody shot every word. You just can't take one verse, it's like trying to, solve a jigsaw puzzle with one piece of puzzle. You gotta get it all together. It has one beautiful picture. And when he said the glory that we shared, you have to understand Isaiah said, when the, in, in, in the book of Isaiah, he made this statement, he said, my glory will I not share with another. All through Isaiah. Let me read you a few verses out of Isaiah. Oh, I feel like preaching to you tonight. We're gonna pray because I'm getting to a point, but we're gonna pray here in a few moments. But listen, listen to a few verses here today. In Isaiah 40 and 13, who hath directed the spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor hath taught him. With whom took, took he counsel, speaking of God, who took he counsel from, and who instructed him, and taught him in the path of judgment, and taught him 
knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding. Who taught God? You can't teach God. He knows all things. To whom, verse 18, then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare unto him? I come to tell you there's no comparison to him. I don't care how good you get, you're not good enough. You're not as good as he is. Can you say amen? It goes on, have ye not known? Man, have ye not heard? Have it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundation of the earth? It is he, not them, but he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretcheth out the heaven as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in that bringeth the princes to nothing. He maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. Verse 25, to whom then will ye liken me or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One. Read on, let's find some few, few verses here in this Bible study tonight. In chapter 42, verse eight, he said, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will not, not give to another. How can you share glory if you won't give glory to another? Watch this, you are my witnesses. Verse 10 of 43, said the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Amen. Amen. Apostolic doctrine, verse 13, yea. Before the day was, I am he. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work and who shall let it? Verse 15, I am the Lord, your holy one, the creator of Israel, your king. Are you ready for some more? I feel like preaching. Verse 40, chapter 44, verse six. Thus saith the Lord, the king of Israel and his redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last. And beside me, there is no God, amen. I say he's on the throne all by himself. He doesn't need help, he doesn't need taught, he doesn't need strength, he doesn't weaken with. He's God all by himself. Somebody shout glory. Verse 24, thus saith the Lord, thy redeemer, he that formed thee from the womb, I am the Lord that maketh all things that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. Chapter 45, verse five. I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. Verse six, that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. I, the Lord, do all these things. Verse seven, look at the, in the verse eight, I the Lord have created it. Let's move on and read verse 21 of chapter 45. Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord and there is no God else beside me, a just God and a savior. There is none beside me. I feel like Isaiah's trying to make a point here that there's only one God, amen. Baal's not God, Muhammad, Muhammad's not God. All the Hindus' gods are not gods. That's why he said, I am the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Can you shout glory? 
Verse 22, for I am God and there is none else. Verse 23, I have sworn by myself, the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return that unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. Come on, doesn't that sound like New Testament? Amen, that every knee shall bow unto him and every tongue shall swear that Jesus Christ is Lord and his name shall be one. Zechariah said there's one Lord and his name shall be one. What is his name? Somebody shout Jesus. We love preaching Amen, the name of Jesus. Because apostolic doctrine says there's power in the name of Jesus. Whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of Jesus. Send your children to school in the name of Jesus. Pray over their fevered bodies in the name of Jesus. When you go into the doctor, you call upon the name of Jesus. When you're having a bad day, say Jesus. Why? Because the name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous can run into and be saved. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, he is near as the mention of his name. He's faster than your cell phone. He's faster than your 5G network. When you say, Jesus, something happens. I'm just gonna stop right here on the foundational point of this message tonight and tell you we can never lose, lose the value of the name of God. David used it when he went against Goliath. They would call upon the name of the Lord when they would go against any obstacles. We cannot lose the value of the name of Jesus when we pray. When we pray, something happens. Come on, we sing songs like, something happens when I call his name. If you believe it, jump to your feet and clap your hands and praise him. Whoa, glory. There's just one. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, there's just one God and his name is Jesus. Shout it tonight. There's one God and his name is Jesus. Come on, can you feel him witnessing what I'm preaching tonight? Amen, amen. When you say Jesus, you get it all. You get Jehovah Jireh. You get Jehovah Sitkanu. You get Jehovah Rapha. Come on, when you say Jesus, you get all the package together. You get all the power. That's why he's, that's why Jesus said, all power in heaven and in earth. Somebody shout all power. Not a third of it, not two thirds of it. He said, all power in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. You may be seated. I'm gonna get back to the glory sharing in just a moment. Let me, let me move on in this teaching tonight and the preaching. I get stirred today. We ought to get excited. If there's ever an amen, you ought to amen biblical teaching about the oneness of God. I, w- I was in college and I was always talking to people and making connections with people, trying to get them to come to church. And I saw a man reading his Bible one day and started talking to him and he was some other faith that believes Jesus was just a good man. That's all they believe. They, 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 they didn't believe he was in, even in the Godhead. They just believe he was a good man and he's your big brother and he's just a good prophet. And I said, I don't, do you read the King James Version? Yeah. They have some other book they believe in their religion. You know, he's just a little lower than the angels. 
And it's amazing how they can classify him. Don't, 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 don't judge us because we get so excited because we know him. We know who he is. Amen. He has revealed it. He told Simon Peter, he said, flesh and blood did not reveal unto thee, but my father which is in heaven. The revelation you have of who I am come from him. Can you say amen? And when you begin, begin, I looked at him, I said, well, we believe he's the almighty. We believe that Jesus is the almighty. He said, no, he's not. I said, then why did he say he was? He said, he never said, I said, oh, yes, he did. I'm going to show you all tonight. In the book of Revelation. Come on, any, any apostolics in the building? Come on, any apostolics in the building? Look what he said in Revelation 1 and 8. Are you ready? You got your, come on, apostolics ought to be Bible, Bible toters, Bible carriers. I said it this morning. I'm not against cell phones, but you start doing your devotion on your cell phone, you end up, end up on the Weather Channel. End up on Facebook. You know I'm telling you the truth. We need to get us a good old paperback Bible. I know I'm old school, but that's all right. We need to get back in the book with an ink pen and underline and a highlight and do all that stuff. Come on, how many know you need a personal Bible where you know him in the book? I'm telling you, you don't want to be distracted, but you get a revelation of 1 and 8. Jesus said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. What he was saying was, I've always been the Almighty. I am the Almighty, and I will always be the Almighty. He's never been weakened with time. He was God in the flesh. I'm preaching to somebody right now. And the same God he was in the book of Acts is the same God he was on the day of creation. And the same God he is in 2020. He can work a miracle in you. That's why we have such electrifying services because there's no greater level of faith than expectation. And when we come to church, we're not having a little Bible lesson about a history lesson about what he used to be. No, when apostolic people come to church, we believe that what he was, he still is. And what he did for grandma, he can do for my child. We believe that he's able. Come on, somebody shout, he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think through the power that worketh in us. We forget about the power of the Holy Ghost. May I remind you that when you got the Holy Ghost, you didn't just get a little dove in your spirit. You got the Almighty. That's why he said you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Let me tell you about apostolic people. Apostolic people are powerful. You know why? Because they shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover. They will speak with new tongues. These signs shall follow them but that believe. You may be seated. One of the debates with Brother Bernard debating about signs and wonders and miracles and it's amazing because when you start preaching about doctrine, apostolic people love doctrine. You know, we live in a culture that says throw doctrine out there. We don't need doctrine. The Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration, inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. 
We as apostolic people, and I'm preaching to the choir, I realize tonight, but we love doctrine. But one man said, he's talking about science. Somebody asked a question from the audience, said, well, we as apostolic people, you know, we, we believe in the signs and miracles and healings and all these signs and wonders and all these. And the man responded in the debate, and he said, well, an evil generation looks for a sign. Trying to shut down our faith in miracles and signs and wonders. We believe in that. It's not uncommon for somebody to be healed in one of our services. Why? We believe that the blood still flows out of those 39 stripes for our healing. By his stripes, we are healed. That's doctrine, that's teaching. People believe in healing because they've heard the doctrine of the apostolics believing that he can still heal. And so he, he tried to say an evil and their response was, are you saying we're evil because we believe in signs, wonders, and miracles? And, and he pretty much said, yes, we shouldn't be seeking signs because the Bible says, you know, an evil generation seeketh a sign. Brother Bernard came up, the, the, the superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church, he said, we don't seek signs. Signs follow us. These signs shall follow them that believe. We just start seeking him and we start speaking in tongues. We start seeking him and people start getting healed. We start seeking him and miracles start happening. The room starts shaking. The glory starts falling. We believe. I want everybody in this room to shout, we believe in miracles. We believe the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and Joshua and the three Hebrew children and Daniel, we believe the same God that brought them through everything they, they went through is with us in this room. That's why when you come in, you don't come in and fold your arms. I don't know if I'm gonna praise him. No, when you come in, you come in and say, he's alive. He's not in some tomb somewhere. He got up on that resurrection morning. Death couldn't hold him. The devil couldn't destroy him. Oh my, 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 my. He's right here right now. And everything he died to give us, we can have, we've got access to. Somebody shout apostolic doctrine. And so, let me, let me teach you. And that's why the Bible says that the promises of the Lord are what? Yea and amen. When we start talking about the miracles and the power of God and the supernatural, the promises of the Lord are, I would say to obtain, they are yea, they've got to be talked about, and they have to be amen. That means you come into agreement with. What good is it if the preacher preaches to you all? The Bible says you can't just be a hearer of the word. You've got to be a doer of the word. And You know, I heard, heard another powerful message the other day. Where you listen to? Brother Nehemiah preached last week about where you listen to. It's one thing to hear. It's another thing to listen. He taught us. Very, very powerful. And when the preacher's preaching, you've you got to be so in love with the doctrine that you're actually paying attention. Phones shouldn't be on when the preacher's preaching. Unless you're watching live stream. But when you're listening to the preaching, you should be on the edge of your seat because you believe. And it might not be your night, but somebody else is there going to get a miracle because we believe that God moves among his people. It's called a spirit-filled church. It's a movement. It's a moving. I taught on that a few weeks ago. 
And so when the preacher's preaching about the oneness of God, the name of Jesus, the, 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 the power of repentance, the power of baptism only in the name of Jesus and the remission of sins, you should be saying, amen. When I say, when I say, then Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you. Come on, I think you can do better than that. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There's got to be a powerful response. And what happens, it creates a dynamic. Because you cannot be healed if you do not believe. You've got to respond to his word. Somebody shout the Almighty. And so I told that man, I said, why did Jesus say he's the Almighty? He said, he didn't say it. I said, yeah, he didn't. I read him that. He was dumbfounded because they didn't teach that there. They, you know, they're like the one king with a penknife. They cut that stuff out. But the, the apostolic people, we take the entire word. We build, build a doctrine on all of Scripture. I'm, I'm going to help you tonight. And I hope you can fall in love with the word again. And I just wait till Sunday to hear it. But one verse says that no man can see God at any time. Another verse in Scripture says I've seen God face to face. Sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? Until you read it. When you understand that when Moses was talking to the Lord, he's talking about he's had conversations with God as a man, but he hadn't seen him yet. And then the prayer that he prays right there, he said, Lord, I've heard, but I've never seen your glory. But he said, my conversation was as with a man, but he had never seen God. So you, right after that, he, the Lord didn't show him his face, but he showed him the hinder parts. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. And so to understand scripture, you just can't take one verse or you end up in a mess. How about this one? He that, he, uh, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart, thou shalt be saved. Just that one. All you gotta do is confess. What about all the verses on baptism? That's why you gotta understand there's 66 books of the Bible. You just don't take one verse and build a whole doctrine on it. It has to fit. There is a narrative, and it has to fit. And when he said, I will not give my glory to another, he will never give his glory to another. So what does it mean that he, the glory in which we share before the foundation of the world, what did he mean in, in, in John 17? What was he saying? I'm gonna tell you what he was saying. Because he had a plan, and his plan, it was called the Logos. And in John 1, are you ready? In the beginning was the, and the word was, and the word, the same was in the beginning. And all things were made by him according to his plan. And the Bible says that Jesus was crucified before the foundation of the world. Where did Jesus hang on a cross before earth was ever created? In the mind of God. So before we build doctrines, we've got to understand the whole context of the scripture. That's why apostolic people love the word because they understand it by divine revelation. And it's not something you study up, it's something you pray down. Get along with him and let him start revealing. Can you say amen? So we believe in one God. We believe he's coming in an eastern cloud going to receive us out of here. How many believe that? Would you clap your hands? We believe in the rapture. We believe in it. Come on, how many of you are excited about the, amen, the imminent return of Jesus Christ? 
He's coming for his bride. After a bride that's made herself ready. Yes, yes he is. Amen, amen, amen. He's coming after a bride that's made, made herself ready. And we preach that. I, I can't preach all of the doctrine tonight. But I can certainly preach a portion of the doctrine tonight. We believe that apostolic doctrine is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He died. Simple. He was buried. And he what? Everybody shout, he died. He was buried. And he was resurrected. We believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now don't get me wrong. There's, pre there's churches all over that preach the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection. But we believe that God gives us a death, burial, and resurrection. Amen. We believe that. Romans 6. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. How? Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Aren't you glad that God gave you the opportunity to be converted? To be changed? Woo! Praise God. We believe that God is able and it doesn't have to take 12 steps of counseling to get to it. We believe an old-fashioned altar for true repentance can change your dirty heart, amen, and give you new life. Do you believe that today? Apostolic doctrine is so powerful because it gives room for change. They believed that if they went to a city that the gospel was so powerful that the entire city could be converted. They were not, when you, when you talk about they continue the apostolic doctrine, they continue in the apostles' doctrine, which means, what does it mean? We preach what they preach. We experience what they experience. We baptize the way they baptize. We live modestly the way they did. We believe in, in, in morality the way they did. Isn't that right? And we can go a long time on that. We believe what they believe and to never waver away from that. They believed in the preaching of the gospel was so powerful that they sold everything they had laid it at the apostles' feet to, to divide among so no one would have any issues so they could get the gospel to where it needed to Everybody's intent was to get the gospel to the unchurched, to the entire world. They believed that. Apostolics, can I preach to you for a moment about this? It was never intended to be locked up in a building on one day a week. Are you ready for this? And it was never intended for the preacher to do all the preaching. The pastor. We gathered that from other religions. Where the man stands up there and everyone is quiet. Listen to what the priest or preacher would say. And then you take that and you go home and live your merry way and then come back. It was never intended for just the preacher. What was intended, Pastor Cody, was that the church became the preacher. That was apostolic. This is a great crowd, so I don't really have to worry about time. But when you really look at it, is that they hoarded the gospel somewhat in Jerusalem because I think there was an element of prejudice there to get it beyond the Jewish people that they kept it. It was to the Jew first, and then Paul made a statement later in the book of Romans. He said, I'm not ashamed of the, for it is the power of God unto to the, and then also to the 
It was going to start in Jerusalem, beginning at Jerusalem, and then would go on to the rest of the world. But somehow they locked it up in Jerusalem. The apostles did. But what happened was, there was a man by the name of Saul that came in and started persecuting them for preaching this gospel about Jesus. It was the name of Jesus. They, 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 he tried to stop it. It was spreading among the Jews so much they were walking away from the synagogues and they were, they were, they were now believing in this, this, this Christ who was crucified. I mean, he, he stoned Stephen. And how many know that? In Acts 7. He held his coat while he st they stoned him. He, he imprisoned and separated families and locked up men and locked up women from their children because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And then when he did that, the Bible says in Acts 8 that they went out of Jerusalem with fear. Will you read it with me? Will you turn there to Acts? I'd love for the Lord just to move in here right now. Look at Acts 8 and 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at what? Everybody say beginning at Jerusalem. If something begins somewhere, it's not supposed to stop there. But Jesus said, Jerusalem, what? Then Judea, then Samaria, then what? The uttermost part of the earth. But what happened here is they had locked it up in Jerusalem. Fear of taking it to non-Jewish people. But when Paul came in and persecuted the church at Jerusalem, Stephen was stoned. Fear came up on the people. And it says, and they were all what? Scattered abroad throughout the regions of exactly what Jesus said before he ascended. This is what has to happen. It begins at Jerusalem, goes to Judea, Samaria, and then the uttermost part of the earth. But they had locked it up. It took the killing of Stephen to get the gospel outside of Jerusalem. God forbid it take persecution to get us to take the gospel to our neighbors. It's quiet in here because maybe you're thinking about pizza. Taco Bell. Lord, help all you Taco Bell people right now. Everybody say Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. And it says, and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great limitation of him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and, 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 and helling men and women, committed them to prisons. I told you, therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. They went everywhere. And the gospel came out of Jerusalem into where? Into Samaria. Look at it, verse five. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Philip was not one of the apostles. Philip was a layman. He was a layman. He was one of the 70 that followed Jesus, but he was not one of the 12. He was a good saint. He was a good follower. But when he went out, the saints were so full of the word and the doctrine that when they left Jerusalem out of fear, they could not help but to mention him, mention Jesus to everyone that had never heard of him. They went everywhere preaching the word. And look what it says. And preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. 
because signs will follow. If you can hear me, is that apostolic doctrine is not just oneness, repentance, baptism, the filling of the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, and holiness, living. True apostolic doctrine is believing in the propagation or the preaching of the gospel to unchurched people. Part of the doctrine is not just believing the doctrine, but it's believing preaching the doctrine. So to everybody that you meet that's never heard of it, there's a passion to share it. And how can we pass a thousand houses on the way to church and never tell somebody about the apostolic truth? It sounds condemning. It's not my goal tonight. But if you want to truly be apostolic, it's not just believing in one God. It's not just believing in the name of Jesus. It's actually sharing with someone that's never heard. You hear what I'm teaching you? There are people that have never heard. I know it's condemning, but it sounds condemning. It's not my goal. But I would not to have want to been in church for 20 years and stand before the Lord and he say, why didn't you tell anybody about me? You have the Holy Ghost for 20 years. You've heard 3,500 sermons and you've never mentioned me to anyone. Because I do believe there is a mandate from heaven for us to propagate the gospel to the unchurched. And if we're truly apostolic, we've got to be like the first church. So can I broaden your vision? God's not sending you on the job just for a paycheck. So you say, I'm blessed and highly favored of God. He's not doing that. He might be putting you on that job because there's somebody there that's never heard of what Jesus can do in their life. Can somebody say amen? He might be putting somebody in your path that has never known anything but brokenness and hatred and bondage and the devil and all the things. But what if he sends you there to be the light in their dark hour? I come to tell the anchor church tonight, we are apostolic people, but we've got to propagate the gospel of Jesus Christ to every sinner, to every hopeless body, to every person. Oh, clap your hands and shout hallelujah. We should be able to now fill up rows with guests because people are hungry for what we have. But that, I'm going to read it to you. Romans, would you turn there with me? Romans tonight. What good is, it, good is it if we pray but we never tell? Look what, the Bible, look what the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse 11. Are you ready? For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be what? Ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How many believe that? Amen. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? For faith cometh by hearing, verse 17. 
So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? You cannot put all the pressure on your pastor to reach everybody that's in your world. It, it's not logical, and it's not biblical. It is your responsibility that he's placed in you the wealth of knowledge and revelation to do what? To share with somebody in your world the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a mandate. Speaking of mandates, it's a mandate from God that we share. You feel how quiet is in the room right now? Because this is where we are. Because we're afraid of being rejected. But we say we're followers of Jesus Christ. Remember, he was despised and rejected of men. If you've never been rejected, you've never truly tried. You have to be willing to be rejected. But what if they don't reject? And they become the missionary to Guatemala. Peggy Tejo walked in to a pizza, Tats Pizza, and told somebody, the Lord told me to tell you he loves you. Love you to come to church. She came to church. Was filled with the Holy Ghost, went back and told Noe Berrientos. Said, I found something today. I can't explain it. You got to go get it yourself. He came to the house of God and received the Holy Ghost. Now a missionary pastoring thousands of people. One invitation. One invitation. Listen, God has not shut down because of a pandemic. He's just waiting on you not to shut down. God wants your home to become a place that's a light to your community. I think I've really hit the clock. He's wanting you to become the light. A city set on a hill that can't be hid. Living such a great light that's so different that people come up and say, you're different. What is it about you? Oh, since you've asked, let me tell you. Years ago, I wasn't always holy. I used to be a sinner, but God saved me. And I'm going to tell you what he did for me, he can do for you. Anything that you need, God can fix. He's a God of love, he's a God of peace, a God of mercy. How many believe that? I'm going to tell you, I, I, I'm one, I just want to know right now, don't stand, but how many of you love the apostolic doctrine? If you do, raise, raise your hand. Now here's a harder question. If you want to lead somebody to the Lord before the end of this year, you want to, you, you're, going, you're going to try your best to lead somebody that's unchurched to the Lord. You say, I want to propagate it. I want to spread it because it's as, it's as ingrained in the teaching of the doctrine as much as the oneness of God in the name of Jesus. I want you to stand your feet. But Cody, there's no way around it. I'm so glad for everybody tuned in if they're live streaming. I don't know if it's even on tonight. I'm not sure. Is it on? Hey, man, we're so glad you tuned in, but we're going to disconnect because I'm going to talk to the church about a couple of things with those that are here. God bless you. Keep praying. God wanting to use you. We're so glad you tuned in tonight. Can you say amen? I'm on, I'm Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.